Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're back to talk part two of the Ravens' defense against the Dolphins in this huge 56-19 win. Here to join me again for it is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How you doing? No complaints. No complaints at all. Uh, if you didn't listen to that first episode, lots of great stuff. Uh, a lot of talk about uh, game script, about the pass rush, about um, you know Ravens' history. And was this a, it's been an incredible two-game stretch now against two very good teams. And uh, we each had some thoughts about what – what Ravens history, what time in Ravens history might have been near as special? And there's a there's a few out there, but it's this is pretty close to the to the the peak of Ravens history right now. Uh, lots of good stuff about about Arthur Mollett's play. I thought that that uh, Josh had some really good pl- points about that in particular, and uh, playing like a Raven and uh, Patrick Queen throwing the football at him, and and some other things that you might have missed from the broadcast itself. But uh, a lot of fun. So go download that if you have a chance. And uh, we'll get into the second part where we, we start always by talking about the individual players on the defense. Josh, you're the guest. Start us off. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Arthur Mollette, um, you know, in the first in the first part. But I, I got to start again with that guy. I mean, what, what he did um, for the Ravens defense, you know, minus Kyle Hamilton, minus Marlon Humphrey, your top two slot guys, you know, the, the back, you know, like. They they dating back to last week when when Mallette was out, you know he, he was out for one game, came back in this game. It was it was really I mean really he was the guy that came up with I think he came up with like the Ravens like first like three big stops on defense in in, the, in like the, the first or second half I believe it was he had like the pass breakup and then the tackle on tackle um, short of the line of the game and it was just like when the Ravens needed a big needed a, needed a stop on on third down in coverage he was he was he was the guy. It was absolutely the guy. I mean he had he had. Contributions to five drive-ending plays in one NFL game, and that is really an amazing total. Can you think about how many drives there are in, in, you know, in the typical game? And uh, that was sometimes it was him in coverage. He came up and was part of the group that converged on two and a force that ridiculous slide on fourth mm-hmm. and thirteen. I was a give up slide if ever there was one. You know, you got to try and run through somebody at that point if you're if you're if the game's on the line like yeah. that. And Maybe then he then he hurt then he hurt hurt his shoulder. Yeah, I heard his shoulder. So, and and at the same point, you know, Tua goes right into spiking Queen as he does that. You know, he, he, he cleated him in the in the upper chest, exactly where you know Queen had been com- complaining about having a clavicle issue before. And uh, you know, I, I think I've I read when I was a kid, and this might not be true of an NFL player, but the clavicle takes the least amount of pressure to break of any bone in the human body. That it breaks only seven pounds of pressure. And so it's not a place you want to get hit. And, and, and I guess you know, normal you know, shoulder padding and whatnot gives you pretty good protection there. 
but uh, but anyway, nothing is perfect. No, I mean, that, you, it's funny you mentioned that because I so I suffered a hairline fracture in my clavicle wrestling my senior year of high school. I was um, one of my good friends to this day. I, I, I just I, I just reminded him the other day, the, a couple months ago. I was like, yeah, I want to introduce him to my son. I was like, yeah, this is my friend. Ed. he broke your dad's clavicle when we were in high school. He was like, I did. I was like, yeah. So he had got me in this move called, called a cradle um, in, in regions. And, and um, I. I, I like I was complaining about pain in my, like you said, in my, in my clavicle area, and turned out I had a hairline fraction. I was like, God, the guy was barely holding me in position for like seven seconds. You know, enough time, to, enough time to get the pin, but still, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take much to to, to to fracture that clavicle or even damage it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I hope he's been through the proper. Pro- I hope Queen has been through the proper process on this to check. I'm sure they have. I'm sure, you know, basically anytime a player complains about that, there's a, there's a protocol that, that uh, Leanne curl is going to want to go through as an orthopedist to try and um, figure out what's wrong. But that yeah. uh, hairline is it's nagging, but it's not debilitating. Like you can feel it when you raise your arm up and sometimes when you, when, when you breathe or like make certain gestures, but it's not like, it's not going to restrict you from doing, you know, your daily activities. But then again, you know, playing football at a hundred miles an hour is a daily activity. Might be a different, might be a different yeah. story then. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I mean, what do they do to set that bone if something is wrong? That's like I said. So mine was a hairline fracture, so it was going to heal on its own. If you have like a like a full on fracture, then they got to put you in the sling to kind of to kind of set it. So okay. you don't have to get your arm in a cast or anything, but you'll just have to ha- have have it have your arm in a sling and have it uh, suspended so it's not you know, keeps dra- pulling pulling on that um pulling it out of place there. Okay, is there, and if they if is it if people ever get a compound fracture there where where uh, well compound fracture means it breaks the skin but yeah. something where it's a you know the bone has to be actually reset because it sounds like the sling method sounds like it's still going to just you know immobilize your arm and not reset a bone if it's that's cracked or broken anyway maybe we're a little, a little too deep here but I'd be really <laughs> interested to know that if you if you know anyone who'd been through that. Uh, just so many things. So Mullen had the had the convergence on Tua. Uh, he had the one ball that was thrown basically at him, and he blew the interception risk. And Queen, we talked about throwing the ball at him after that. Uh, he drew an OPI call on Wilson that was at the end of the half. It was a fourth and one play, and made them reconsider and punt the ball instead on fourth and ten. So there wasn't a lot of time left in the first half, but that was a that was ended up being a big play. Uh, he tackled Barrios for for a four yard gain on third and fifteen, so that was a nice one. Um, what else was there? Uh, he dislodged the ball from Hill. From Hill, yeah, yeah, on the uh, that that forced the field goal attempt. Yep. Not not the bobble in the back of the end zone. This was on the right sideline, I think. Yeah, I got that down on my notes too. He, you know, forcing yeah. forcing field goal attempt, um, settle for field goal. So I, he wasn't immune to some of the blocking. He got blocked on some of the early plays in this game. I've got full notes out there in the article if you want to read Mullet's things. But he's he's one of the star treatment players for this. Oh one. yeah, definitely for sure. All right, let's talk about uh, Jadavian Clowney. And and I I don't have a whole lot to say about this game other than Clowney, like most of the Ravens' pass rushers, was frustrated and still got a little bit of good pressure in this game. So where Clowney had gotten nine pressure events against the 49ers, which is the highest total by any Ravens lineman of the year, or by any Ravens defender of the year, I should say. Um, he had only three in this game, but they were important ones. Um, mm-hmm. He he actually beat Armstead, uh, I think to the inside, and then was pancaked in the cone, which forced Tua to move, and then he moved right into a spin move of Van Noy that 
he got taken down for the for the sack minus five. That was their first sack of the game. It was uh, early in the second quarter, but that uh, helped him get off the field that time. Um, he he did a good job about. Um, uh, let's see what he did not a good job, but he got blocked by the tight end Hill, and this is Jalen Hill, not Tyreek, obviously the mm-hmm. tight end. Um, when Achan ran for 13, so that was not good. But he did have also the pressure where he batted down the ball. Yep. Uh, looked like it was headed for a pretty effective screen pass because the, the blockers were out front on that play, uh, and I think it would have been an effective one had he been uh, had he been able to thread it through. Uh, so anyway, some good stuff. Uh, I, I, Clowney has just been a, a consistent contributor, and he's one of the guys who uh, did not get himself in trouble much with the run in this game. So that's a really good thing. I mentioned one one play is blocked on. Most other players had four, six plays they were blocked on. You know, so Clowney was really good in this respect. In fact, I, I, I hesitated to include either Queen or Roquan in this group, although I did do a a um, uh, a list of Queen's plays because they have so many negative plays in my notes. But that's what I present. I present all negative and positive plays. For any player that's what the star treatment section is intended to do you don't get you don't get a biased version you don't get a narrative you get every note i've got on those players yeah 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 clowny man i feel like i feel like he kind of deserves credit for like almost half the team sacks this year it's because he's the kind of the guy that always generates the initial pressure that forces somebody and forces the quarterback in somebody else's grasp last week it was brent urban um you know mm-hmm. twice twice um, this yep. week this week this week it was it was kyle van noy and there there's been so many times where you know he's been the guy that you know beats his guy initially then it gets either dragged down to the ground or he said gets pancaked and it kind of flushes the quarterback into the grasp of another person or forces a throwaway and then there's times where he's going against you know four-time pro bowlers like Armstead this week and then Trent Williams last week were like, all right, I'm not going to get there. Hand up, bat it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. And it's just like, you know, that, that, that savvy heads up play, man, that's this, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of unique blend of veteran experience I was alluding to in our, in the, in the, in the first episode, um, first part that we did um, this evening is just like the Ravens have that, that, that nice blend of, of promising ascending young talent, guys like Matabike and, and then Stone, but also guys who are experienced and have been around the block and, and you've got have that veteran savvy to make those plays to do that one. Cause you know, everybody's coached up to do that, but like for guys like Clowney, it's second nature. You know that those those guys don't really need to be reminded because they already know what to do. Oh, I'm not getting home. Bam, hands up. Yeah. I you know much has been made this year, and it's become almost a platitude to say that Clowney fits extremely well, like the with the Ravens, and he plays like a Raven, and he's and he's just, and and there's probably ten reasons relating to his work ethic or his practice habits or this or that that are very positive about the way the guy plays. But I, I'm just going to give you a more practical reason than any of that crap is that. He, he creates some initial pressures the Ravens really need to generate second pressure or second man sacks, and that's been tremendously valuable. And he's also a pretty good cleanup guy in terms of getting their second and, and making things happen. But those first pressures, that was just what the doctor ordered Beautiful. for this team in order to, to generate the kind of, of sack total they have this year. So I, while I love all the other soft reasons, why Clowney has been a great fit for the Ravens. It's that that hard reason for me. It's, it's the important one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you want your guys to elevate each other. You know, you don't want a guy who's just good at, you know, getting hustle sacks and, and that's about it. You want a guy who's gonna he's gonna contribute to other to uplifting other players, set other guys up for success. And um, yeah, and just like you know, like 
He was like, like, like I agree with what you said. He was one of the few edge rushers that didn't struggle with setting an edge. Him and him and Tavius Robinson, um, Tavius Robinson did a pretty good job. He had that. He had a nice solo tackle on, on Tyreek Hill in the second half, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's a guy who I, I thought was going to get a little bit, especially once when Ola was struggling to, uh, to 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 contain that edge. You know, earlier in in the game, I, I I thought Tavius might get a little bit more run earlier in the game, but um, they they started playing him a little bit more later on in the game. Do you want to talk about Tavius any further than that? Um, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, can, I can talk about it a little bit more. He's just a guy that, you know, he's just, I, I could, I could see what the, what the Ravens saw in him as far as like a guy who's going to, you know, play, be a good contributor early downs, ceiling and setting that edge. I mean, if you just watch his lateral, I mean, it's, it's hard to get a guy like Tyreek Hill one-on-one in, 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 in the open field. Yeah. The, you see his lateral moving the way he kind of shuffled. Like, You're not getting away from me. You're not getting away from me. And then be able to, to, to corral him and bring him down was, was pretty impressive. It was his only tackle of the game, but it was, it was, it was a damn impressive one. Yeah, it was it, he he bubbled him and then he and then he got involved in the tackle. So first yeah, first and 10 uh 10 RL0 9 9 patient tackle in open field and I, what it was was it was it was very patient and well spaced backside containment on that play cuz the the mm-hmm. flow of the play was in the other direction and they handed it off to Hill to try and get him free in 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 this and it, it great you know, it's it's it is not an easy job to contain that backside against a fast player. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. He's been a good player. He's taken a lot of snaps away. He's eaten a lot of snaps that would otherwise have to be used by the big three. And that had, I mean, what he and Harrison have done on early downs, primarily in that base package that they like to throw out there. It's, it's hard to hard to put a value on it, but it's definitely resting some of those other guys from having to play each two thirds of the snaps, say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it helps preserve guys like like Van Owen, Clowney, and and even Owe, who's like you know that had the ankle injury earlier in the season, and, and like you know really Tavius, he he hasn't played nearly as much as he did early on when when Owe was out and Java was out. But you know, for for them to rely on a young guy that plays meaningful early down snaps is uh it says a lot about how highly they view him. All right, my turn, or do you want to go again, or what do you want to do? Oh, you can go again. Yeah, I just I just pretty much the Tavius. So you go ahead. All right, I'll do. I'll do Ronald Darby. I I think that that this was really one of his fine moments as a Raven, and he did a lot. He was a lot of the putty and and bubble gum and duct tape that held this defense together in the early season, before he eventually was shown the bench with Humphrey and Stevens back. They they did some rotational play initially when Humphrey came back, and then mm-hmm. Darby ends up losing his spot. Yassine, you know, lost it even first before that. It's got to be hard for those veterans to sit down. Um, you know, you know, with what happened, but Darby uh, had one of his, perhaps his best game as a Raven, but certainly a very, a, a very good one. Um, at the end of the first half, he made three consecutive inbounds tackles. It's just w- wonderful. It took almost a minute of, of time off the clock. They only had one timeout. They finally had to use it on the last of those three tackles um, inbounds, but they, well, they gained about 14 yards in total on those three. It was the first down. <laughs> But it wasn't it wasn't enough to to justify what they what they had done, um, you know. He had uncredited pass defense on the end zone, but you can see it clear as day that he's the one who deflects the football, so Claypool can never really collect it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a you know a convergence of coverage there. Stone is nearby, but but he got his hand up in a position to to deal with it. Yeah, it was really impressive. I mean, five five tackles all solo. And like I said, and he, and there were times where he was refusing to let the guy get out of the bounds. You could see the guys trying to trying to fight to get out of the bounds. He was like, "No, you're as staying right here, and that clock is gonna roll." Like anytime you see Darby, a Darby make a tackle, the referee was going like this. 
doing the clock winding thing shortly thereafter. And I'm like, like I said, another another example of that veteran savvy. Like this is a guy who has who has that not just spatial awareness, but also that that, that clock awareness, that game awareness. That like, hey, you know, they're working a short time here. As long as we keep them in balance, keep the clock running, it reduces their chances of, of getting in field goal range or, or potentially scoring. So I mean, there's so many heads up play by by, by that guy, and uh, he was one of the guy. He's one of the guys to get a game ball afterwards. And like it, it, it's 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 funny, even a guy who's like what like Darby's like nine years into the league. If you watch some of the post game stuff, even he's a guy that's kind of getting a little noogie, you know. Like, like it's such a, such a family brother atmosphere. A lot of a lot of times, like, the teams will say that, "Oh, we're like a family, we're like a family." When you watch these Ravens post game celebrations, um, it's it, it's it really feels like it's a bunch of brothers just like give each other shit half the time, even like whether it's for good or for bad. And um, yeah, he was he definitely got got a quite a quite a few uh quite a few noogies. Yeah, winning fixes a lot of things winning makes a clubhouse fun all the time i i remember greg lachlan who's the the capitals announcer talking about a 14 game winning streak they had and he goes you know what i couldn't really tell you anything about those games anymore i just can't remember them but i remember the clubhouse i remember how much fun that was when we were winning like that so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it, it's it's funny you say that because like I so my my senior year of high school, well, we lost our first two games of the season for for football, and then we're like we were kind of like you know oh man we suck, and then all that kind of stuff, and then we ended up rattling off nine straight in winning in winning state that year. And if you could ask me to rem- pull up pull up remember like specific games or turning points in games, I can't remember. But I do what I do remember is that post game celebration where we had somebody's phone set up and we kind of did a little a little a little, a little line kind of like how the Ravens have their dub cam. So we had we had like um we had a we had a, a particular song we used to celebrate too, and everybody would take turns getting in front of the camera. And like those are the things that you remember on those on those championship runs. It's just the moments that you have in the locker room or in practice when coach goes off from you guys for doing something silly or something stupid. And like said, the games kind of become a blur. It's those moments in between that really resonate with players. Right. Yep. Completely agree. Um, what else do I want to say about Ronald Darby and his performance here? Uh, only 42 yards on 10 targets. So they tried to go after him a little bit, just mm-hmm. didn't work. Um, by the way, that was also true of, of Molette, who had only allowed 17 yards on six targets. So those were the guys that really held up at cornerback for the Ravens. They, uh, they got some, uh, they got some yards in the first quarter. They got a few yards off, off Yassine in terms of, uh, of throwing against him with Hill, but, uh, but those guys, they they really held up extremely well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, this, this, those gum those gum and toothpick guys really came up clutch for the Ravens <laughs> in this game. Um, is, is it my turn to pick another guy? Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, we uh, we can talk about um, we talk about Roquan Smith, man. I mean, like 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 from like I said, we we talked about him in a previous episode. A guy who like you know like I said was kind of getting I wouldn't say getting targeted early on but he was kind of like like the balls were kind of sailing over his head a little bit early on in that game when the when the Ravens and Dolphins were kind of going back and forth but he made he made that pick now it's really that was really when the Ravens got to double up on the Dolphins you know that's really kind of when they kind of feel like in fact they kind of took over the game is like you know after they got that after you got that one-handed pick and then when he when he broke it down post game you really can see the intelligence I mean this this guy's effect on this team, yeah, to, to me, it goes beyond X's and O's. You know, it, it, it's a guy who's like, like not just you know stud on, on on the field, but then like like the, having that emotional leader. Like everybody wants to be like, oh, next Ray Lewis, next Ray Lewis. I don't want to call him next Ray Lewis, but he had like there is a, a Roquan Smith effect to where he does have that kind of elevating presence on, on on the team to where even even if even if it's a game he's not necessarily playing his best, but the fact that he holds everybody around him to a higher standard. And they want to they want to play higher because they're next to him and alongside him makes a difference. 
Yeah, I I think that's the 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 single biggest factor of what I'll call now the Roquan era in Baltimore, and how well this team has played defensively is the higher standard he sets, and there's a high standard in terms I think of of work ethic in being businesslike about about playing defense. I mean, he's all business when he gets to the field. I mean, obviously, he, he's certainly a loud guy, and he's certainly you know uh, a a swagger tastic dude. I love but, it. But yeah, well, sure. <laughs> but but uh, but but definitely also wants to you know, make sure that accountability is there for, for for his other teammates and whatnot. I think maybe the single biggest element in uh, in what's been raised about the bar is in terms of what you expect out of the other players in terms of on field intelligence. You better know your assignment because not only does Roquan know his assignment, he knows what your assignment is supposed to be. And he also knows how to let that guy get up off the ground to run the clock down to two minutes, which is that is next level crap in terms of, of, you know, having on field understanding of things. Um, It's we've, we've seen some things from various players around the field that have seen steamed intelligent, but, I really, I, I, I haven't seen anything like that. That, that is the, the absolute pinnacle of on-field intelligence that I've ever seen. Was what Roquan did, closing in on a two-minute warning to let somebody get up. Yeah, I mean, but like he, he, not only does he make those kind of plays, he reminds others around him to make yeah. those kind of plays. Like, hey, hey, these guys are going to be trying to work in front of the sidelines. Don't let them get out. Like, like I'm not, I'm not saying that guys like Darby needed those kind of reminders. He's been around the block. But as far as maybe a guy like a, like a Stevens or even some of the younger guys, like, hey, like you know, if, if you know, if a guy if, if it's in this situation, like it's like having somebody who's that who's that has that high football IQ yeah. makes everybody around him smarter and more aware of the situation and what's going on too. Yeah, and, and with a player like that, wouldn't it be fair to say that he doesn't have to discriminate in any way between veterans and rookies? Because if he's thinking at level three, there's nobody else who's demonstrated the ability to think at level two. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, in terms of what they will do on field to make a sacrifice appropriate to the game, you know, a, a level one is like not scoring a touchdown and kneeling down, as far as I'm concerned, for a wide receiver, and almost none will do that. But but uh, but occasionally you'll see that in terms of a player who will go down and understand. Wait a minute, I just got to get down in space here. And and same thing on an interception. Players know when to take it out of the end zone, when not to, how to signal that, what what, what you're supposed to do. Um, but you know, you just I, I if 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 Roquan can be at level three, then then it really says I can tell anyone from Roquan's perspective, I can tell anyone on this team how to comport themselves on a football field. Because that's the level at which I'm thinking, and I've demonstrated it. Now, you, you guys saying that's not important? You, you guys saying you need the coach to come in here in the huddle and, and give you a code word not to score? That's that's crap, guys. You need to think of that on your own. And I, I, I think that's that's the kind of leader I want on the team. It's often made the, the point has been made by Bill James very often that the best leadership comes from the best players. And it, it just does not help you very much to have a you know a, a two twenty hitting left fielder be your leader when he's not going to be around for very long. Rokon's going to be around for the duration, and and he's going to be a great leader for uh, for that time. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, so I should pick somebody, right? Let's go to hmm. Well, let's go, let's talk a little bit about Patrick Queen. Lots of problems getting off box in this game. Same as Roquan um, in terms of, of having a lot of difficulty. This was not a good game for either of them in terms of 
how the Dolphins' run game really steamrolled over them and also how they got beat in the passing game some. But Patrick Queen had some nice flash plays. Um, I'll tell you a couple that, that were not so great, though. On the, on the initial, it was a screen pass left to Achan. Um, Achan ends up going 23 yards with the, with the ball, 28 after the catch. And Queen was dragged for the last 10 of that. That did not look very good. I will say it was not a good start for Queen in this game. Um, and there's a number of plays where he was blocked, some plays that went right over him in the passing game that was not good. But then he had some other good plays where where he um, uh, he did some positive things. He had a great diagnosis of a screen pass where he got behind three of the Dolphins defenders on that right side, and he actually forced that ball incomplete. Uh, the ball was probably in a place where it could have been caught, but Achan decided – discretion better part of valor probably didn't want to take the hit from queen in so doing but also if he had caught the ball he would have had a loss of three or something on the play because queen was right right in his hip pocket there ready to make the tackle um did a really nice job covering wilson down the yep. field right by that right sideline yeah pbu was great yeah, yeah 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 pbu was great i mean like they, we, we've seen we've seen over the years and even at times this year you know queen kind of get kind of get beat up by running back sometimes down the sidelines on, on those wheel routes so it was great mm-hmm. to see him make a play like that to break up a pass because like i said the, the Dolphins definitely had to push the ball downfield more and whenever he whenever Tua saw that one of his playmakers whether it was a receiver or a running or a running back was on was on one-on-one with the linebacker he was taking that matchup and for queen to come up with that play because uh, you know wilson had it but you know Queen to give up, not give up on the play, and then make sure yeah. that he, he was able, kind of like the Darby with the Claypool thing, make sure he dried that thing loose before yep. he got to the ground, and so that he could complete the catch. Yeah, it was it was at the catch point. That's 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 the best place to knock a football free is when that when that wide receiver has his arms extended. Obviously, as soon as he draws it close to the body, it becomes harder and harder to to, to get that ball loose. But uh, that was a good play. You know, the other play that was nice was him and Darby were both covering Craycraft in the back of the end zone went to overthrew. And this was early in the fourth quarter. Game is still on the line. In fact, he did score on that drive as it turned out, but um, wasted a little more time in doing so and ended up um, missing the two-point conversion, which still left him 16 down, I think 35 to 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a worry wart naturally. I was still a little concerned after that previous Miami game in 2022 <laughs> with what could happen if, the, if they had pulled within 14, it would have been on that play that certainly would have been something that that, that, that would have even concerned me more but uh I, I thought a really good play there to hold him off another might have been actually it might have been only six seconds because i also have him as closest and trailing on the hn pl1 td that came at 1403 so six seconds later yeah, yeah, I think I think was I think was was it Britt Urban that had the pressure on on that on that play on on Tua to kind of force him to roll out and throw the ball I think a little a little high and away from Craycraft in the back of the end zone there. Can remember exactly. That's, uh, hold on, I just, I'll, I'll I just remember there were some times where Brent Urban was kind of like, yeah, what uh, forced forcing Tua to throw the ball away with with his pressure and his face wasn't biting in the bootleg and stuff like that. I have I have one fourth and oh, no 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 I'm looking at the fourth and thirteen place. That's the wrong one. So it's Q four fourteen oh three on. Third and one. I did not have a pressure charted here. There was a on. Oh, oh yeah, the Craycraft play. It was Urban unblocked, unblocked yeah. by the running back. Flushed one left. Overthrows eighty five and back of end zone covered by six and twenty eight. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brent Urban, man, he's he's, he's that, that guy's worth his money. Like he's, I, he's I, I, as a, yeah, as a, as a run defender, and now he's coming on as a pass rusher too. That's it's just. So it's so so fun to see a guy like that really kind of reap the reap the benefits of of of, of sticking with this team and sticking 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 with as one of those blue guys. 
might might have had the best game of his career last week. I had him charted for five pressures in that game. PFF's got him for two sacks that were cleanups of what Clowney did, but yeah. they're definitely missing pressures uh, from that game. He's having a terrific year, and uh, I, you know, we had him on the show. And yeah, he talked remember. about playing for ten years, and and this would be this would be his final season. I mean, and I could, you know, if he wins a ring this year, why would he stick around or whatever? Would, would be one question, but I, 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 he's got something left in the tank. I mean, his yeah. fungible edge of the roster space is is great. I mean, I would think the Ravens would would be crazy not to want him if he wants to come back for another year, or at least you know allow him to come to camp and compete for a job. Um, it's just he's he's. He's got real value, and I mean, he'll, he'll soon enough he'll get into his second career, whatever that is, and and I, I I wouldn't be rushed by a year to do so. He can take a gap year on the rest of his life. Yeah. And, and if you and if you're Irvin, why would you want to? You're coming off your best season. You love this. You love this team. This team loves you. This community loves you. I mean, like say his wife is really engaged on on, on Twitter as well. Like this Ravens fan base in this city of Baltimore loves loves them some Brent Irvin. And um, uh, yeah, I'd love for the Ravens, especially like I said, coming off a career year. You know, I like usually like you know, you know, I'm hoping the Ravens do win the Super Bowl. Like that's that's um, like usually Super Bowl rosters tend to get. I won't say pick clean, but like they tend to get like you know I won't say gutted to an extent. Especially this particular Ravens team, it's gonna be a it's gonna be oh, quite yeah. quite 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 a quite a loss of uh, of talent. But I feel like guys like a Brent Urban and a, and a Nelson Aguilar would be those guys that will I won't say fall through the cracks, but they could they could hang on to it a reasonable a uh, reasonable amount. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about an Aguilar. That's it's possible. I, I think there's some other players who who might fit with the Ravens better. Um, but there's there's a there is a 43% of the Ravens snaps roughly are going to be going out the door as UFAs at the end of the season. And it's going to be a shock to the system in terms of everybody the Ravens lose. And, and Hey, this is the heartbreaking nature of being a good drafting team is you end up losing a lot of these guys. And also to cost aside a lot of very effective veterans who the Ravens would love to keep around, but they, they're not keeping virtually any of them. I mean, they're, they're certainly not keeping Odell Beckham. They're not going to, they're not going to keep uh clowny. I don't believe um, and it would, it'll be a enormous struggle for them to figure out how they keep Matabike and still keep the team competitive in the other areas they need to, they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, especially when you get guys like Travis Jones coming on real strong as of late, you know, like, do you really need to spend, you know, what's going to be like up like North of what 20 million to keep a guy like Matabike mm -hmm. per season, you're already paying Roquan 20 million. You know, is it, does it make sense? I, I know the Ravens want to build through the, Built through their spine, you know, from you know, from back to from back to front. But um, it's like having the twenty million dollar, twenty plus million dollar defensive lineman, twenty twenty million dollar inside linebacker, and then you're like, what? Well, how much? How Fourteen much million dollar safety, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then how much is Humphrey making? Like Humphrey's gonna uh, Humphrey's making like, oh, like uh, nineteen twenty, I think. Like in, in that in that ballpark. in that ballpark, yeah, yeah in, in that ballpark. So it's just. You know, like that, like the, the, their lifeblood is still the draft. But if, if DeCosta has shown anything this year in particular, it's that he he has really has his thumb on the pulse of that veteran free agent market as far as when to strike and, and when to kind of let things simmer. Because I said they brought Van Noy in this summer and didn't sign him until like you know because the, like there was really an oversaturation of those veteran edge defenders at the at the part of at the early right. portion of the season. And he got them right when the, right when the market was like. I said at, at a surplus, so he got him at a discount. Because then you got, then you had guys later in the season like Melvin Ingram and then and and, and, uh, and JPP kind of bounced around between the, the Dolphins and and the Saints and stuff like that. Whereas the Ravens were able to get Kyle Van Noy, and the guy already had what seven eight sacks. It's great. Yeah. I tell you, I, DeCosta, not only does he understand talent, he also understands markets well, yep. and and it's a 
it is, as you kind of in, implied there, it's a very fluid market because you've got to understand that, 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 that replacement level is degrading as the season goes on. And there is an optimal point to catch the people. And it's very dependent upon who else is getting hurt around the league. So you got to be up on that too. So I, I, they do a very good job of that with the Ravens. And they've, they've, they've gotten players at the right time. And they probably do a little bit deeper um, scouting and knowledge of street talent to know who can they call when that need arises so they can do it right right there at that time to, yeah. to get the right this guy. Isn't, this isn't the pre-draft process. You can bring in guys for workouts all the time. You're just doing yeah. your due diligence. So the fact that you see the Ravens are visiting with this guy, visiting that guy, doesn't mean that a signing is imminent, but right. should the need arise, you know, that they already they already know what that guy's about and what, what kind of shape is he's in. Yeah, that's that's really it right there. Is just the last thing you mentioned is is Harbaugh talks about this sometimes too. Is like, who who's really in shape and who's in football shape kind of thing. You know, exactly, they, it's really it's ready? a real thing. People discount that just because they see the notable name um, doesn't mean that guy's necessarily ready to ready to play even like uh, a rotational role. Oh, Next player? oh, Geno Stone, Geno Stone, man, he's like the one one of the Ironmen in the in the in the back end. Um, just you know, make making play after play. Um, in in the open field, especially on on the ball. I mean, as aggressive as that as his um as his interception was, which kind of just kind of being right place, right time, and on the overthrow, kind of getting the ball back right after that Gus Edwards fumble. To me, his most impressive plus of playing coverage was was that pass breakup in the back of the end zone on the um on on the was it the two point conversion play, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 On uh, on Julian Hill. I mean, huge play because like I said the, the Dolphins that like, still had a quarter Dolphin. You know. You know I, I, as quick as they could move the ball, it said still had a healthy hill and still had, I wouldn't say plenty of time, but had enough time to make it a game. And it cut the Ravens lead from 30 to 35. That would have been 35 21, but instead it stayed at 20 at 35 19. And then the Ravens went on to, to you know, run, run the score up a little bit. But like that, that huge play right there, even, even with the Dolphins getting some momentum, that play right there kind of snatches it back a little bit and keeps it a two, you know, a, 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 a three score. Yeah, it was still a two-score game because it would have been down 16, 16. Instead, of, 16 instead of 14. So, yeah. But two, two scores to me is and, kind of like four scores because you, you have to hit those two two-point conversions that are exactly. that really reduce the chance. So that's uh, it's it's a it's a much better position to be in than 14. Uh, anyway, I, I, uh, I was at my highest point of worry, certainly any time during the second half, um, at that point where they cut the lead to, to, to 16 looking for 14. And I mean, they they went right to it. I actually had some Miami fans behind us just saying, "Take the points, take the points. Don't go for two this early." And I, I'm like, oh, "Seems like a great deal to me." Because you have to have a double choice point where if you're down 16, you can still do something about it. But if you leave yourself to be down eight before you go for it, you only have one chance to to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh. So that was uh, let's see who do we want who else do we want to talk about here? Oh, let's talk a little bit more about Geno Stone. You mentioned the bracketing uh, or the, the the overthrow playing the overthrow. He's just he that is his natural tendency anyway is to really loose bracket the, these players. He doesn't really go for the midsection too much, and it's not part of his natural game. He plays for the overthrow. He plays for the interception, and this Ravens defense is really good at coming up with those opportunities. Hasn't even been mostly tips this year. It's mostly... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. 
That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On Stone Center stuff, it's just been straight overthrows. That, that yeah, he's, yeah. you know, been in a position yeah. to collect. Because, like, as I was saying earlier, like, you know, like the Ravens really kind of get a feel for the opposing team's offense. Like, okay, this guy's been missing high. Pressure's getting to him. You know, he's trying to really make sure he gets the ball over the linebacker's head. But in doing so, he's missing some of his guys high. Now, if I drop a little bit deeper, bracket him just enough, I'll be right place, right time. So are some people see a lucky interception. No, that guy knows exactly what he's doing in yep. the back end. He knows where to be. And like, hey, I, I've been I've been keen on this tendency. This quarterback is missing high. If I drop a little a bit deeper and bracket him the right way, I could get the ball. And that's exactly what Geno Stone did. It's, it's, it's honestly it, that kind of logic that people would apply to this as a lucky interception are the same people who think rebounding is all luck. You know, is that, is that, no, there is some, there's not some actual positioning and there's some actual ability for really great rebounds to understand how the shot is going to miss. You know, yeah, the, like the, like did you see that? Um, ever see that the 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 last um, what's that? Um, the last dance when Dennis Robin was was describing how like the different the the how the rebound how the ball was gonna bounce here, bounce here, bounce here, bounce there. Like, like there's a science to this kind of stuff. It's not it's not it's not like these these are professional athletes at the highest level of the sport. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like, yeah, that's like, like some some of it is genetics, but a lot of it when you get to a certain level and you're and you're playing at a high level, it it, it, it takes a lot more than just athleticism. It takes a lot a lot of intelligence. And even guy who was kind of like off had a few screws with Dennis Rodman has basketball down to a science. Yes. That's it, it. That's just the 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 Beatles ten thousand hours thing. Is that you you if you spend ten thousand hours doing something, you can get really great at it. And uh, all the time they spent in Germany doing all those shows was supposed to be what what made the what made them great. But anyway, I always like that story. Uh, okay, so you went with Geno Stone. Who do I want to talk about? Kyle Van Noy. Uh, he's he's been a, a consistent contributor, and again had a sack and a and a uh, a, a pressure in this game. 
still loving the fact that he can come in here at his age and still has a, a, a certifiably devastating spin move still to show you. He showed it off on Beautiful. that first sack. Beautiful. Just I love seeing it. I mean, he, he does it about once or twice per game, and it's just it's very effective when he can do it. Yeah, yeah, and you know that that's another it's another football intelligence thing because some guys will just try to spin for the sake of the spin and end up getting barrel rolled, right? But if you got a guy who can read the who can actually read the, the leverage of the offensive tackle of when he's going to sink his hips to try to punch this way or punch that way, or lean one way, lean the other way, he perfectly times it, and it's almost like he does it almost like effortlessly. It's kind of like a like a guy who's kind of like you know, with with the basketball doing a little crossover with the whoop. Got yep. you, and, and um, like yeah, I said, the guy like uh, who, who, who was the Elvis of Elvis Duberville, or who was it that had a really? Good, no, no, I think it was Demarcus Ware who had a really good spin move um during 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 his heyday, and it just like with the way the way KVN does his thing, man, like this. Kudos. This is the guy's a really technician. I mean, except he's, he's another guy who's like a veteran, veteran guy, two time Super Bowl champion, been there, done that, knows what it takes to to keep sustaining um, you know, this time, this time of year, you know, for the for this kind of success. And just like another another hat another another hats off to Eric DaCosta, man. The, the guy is just nails. It was a was a was a great one. And and Chuck Smith, I think, probably could not hurt this situation although i think maybe even chuck smith has picked up a few things from van noy in terms of his spin move but it's it's a it's a tough job because you want to be close it's unlike most pass rush moves where you want room between you and the offensive tackle the spin move specifically you kind of want to get into the body to execute it to 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 get it off, to set it up as best you can. And that can even be difficult because the, the, the offensive lineman, we want to punch you and keep you at a slight distance. He's got his preferred distance and he's, he's, he's looking for the cues you're going to give him. But once he's into the body, uh, then it's, it's very, it's, it's pr- fairly easy to execute that spin move and very difficult for that offensive lineman to stop. And, and sometimes if they've got their arms around you in some way, that creates a holding call right away. That that you know, all of a sudden they've necktied you, and and you mm-hmm. and you have a good opportunity. But anyway, Van Noy is just a he is a outstanding yeah. technician at that. And really, it's it's so impressive when it when it works. Yeah, he, he the beautiful thing is he doesn't overuse it because there are some guys who might overuse and then yeah. lose contain, right? But he's the kind of guy that knows when to dial it up and use it at the right time, especially in a situation yeah. where you know a QB's especially a QB like Tua, who's you know who's who's run adverse, you know, I, I, I'd i say. Um, definitely risk adverse. He doesn't want to, you know, risk his health or anything like that. But especially given the time of game, like, you know, it's not like you're going to get to Justin Fields or or or, or Kyler Murray, you're the, who's guy who can, who can they skip out the back door and really, really gas you. You're going to get to, you know, a more more statuesque, you know, pocket passer. A guy like Tua is going to want to stand in there and make those throws. Um, because, yeah, he wants to get the ball out quick. But if you can hit a quick spin move, even a guy who gets the ball out quick is not going to see that shit coming. All right, outstanding stuff. Who else you got? Uh, Michael Pierce. Michael Michael Pierce before 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 he went out and had had his stinger. I mean, to me, like yeah, he had he had a, he had a QB hit in this game and, and, and some really nice things. But the, the best play he made to me was just that one ta- one tackle he made on a chain where he just stonewalled him. I mean, it was just one of those like he like almost like he grabbed the guy like like kind of like, like a bouncer who tries to grab somebody. He's trying to like you know get get through the rope and it's like. No, you're not getting in here, buddy. I mean, because like you know, for, for the most part, A chain was kind of like you know really gashing Ravens through that that game. I can't remember exactly where in the game it was. So I gotta look through my notes. But there was one particular play where Michael Pierce just by himself solo tackled uh, A chain, stopped him at the line of scrimmage for uh, for for no gain. And um, yeah, that was a really impressive play. I thought. All right, 
Outstanding stuff. Um, how about we move on to some do some mailbag? What do you say? Yeah. All right. We got a question here from Fast Eddie at Fast Zero Zero. So Stevens, who played Pro Bowl caliber in our, in my opinion, and our candidate for Defensive Player of the Year in Hamilton, were inactive. Yet today we had success versus the past. After about a decade of secondary issues through injury or poor play, what made the difference, in your opinion, on why this year we were so good versus the past? And I think I think what he's saying is, like, how have they overcome injuries in ways where they haven't been able to do it before? I, I you know, Eddie, I give most of the credit to scheme in this case. I think that they basically it, it's reduced scheme by the for for the corner or sorry reduced responsibility by the cornerbacks and more specifically defined responsibility has been good and and the other thing i just want to say about this is mcdonald has been lauded by his own players for saying they know what they're supposed to do not only in terms of their individual responsibilities but as part of the whole so they know where the other player is supposed to be to take care of that creates better accountability probably creates fewer coverage breakdowns out of that and you know, probably creates a greater trust in your teammate to do the right thing behind you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that was like the biggest difference between him and him and his predecessor, Week Martindale. He doesn't. He rarely releases guys on an island. I mean, like you know, like one, like one. He doesn't. He does a lot of sim pressure more so than outright pressure and all out pressure. And so, like he he rarely leaves his guys on an island, especially if it's a guy who you know may not be one of your top guys. You know, maybe a, a Ronald Darby or, or Rocky Sin. It's it, it's rare where you see the Ravens Ravens cornerbacks now where there's not a safety in the immediate area because you know they got they have each other's backs. Like you said, they have that trust with their coach and with each other to where like in years past it was like, hey, we're sending this pressure. You know, like you got to be on your man. You're going to be one on one with Devonte Adams down the down the uh, down the down the sideline. You know, buddy, just you know, like hold on to the seat of your pants kind of thing. You know, you don't want guys like like uh, what was that? What was what was this guy? What was that guy's name? And um, Chris, 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 I forget his name. The the tall cornerback. I think it was like he, he gave up the touchdown in, in the Bears game to Darnell Mooney in, in 2021. Uh, Westry, Quish oh, Westry, yes, Westry. yeah, West Westry. Like you know, like you'd have Week Martindale leaving guys like Quish Westry out on the islands against against uh, against speedy receivers. Marquise Goodwin and those guys, like even 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 Scrubs with speed can get behind uh, less fleet-footed defensive backs. You don't see that with Mike McDonald's defense. You see his guys with 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 safeties behind them, or, or you know, like a, a, a assisting in bracket coverage. You know, you have like the, 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 the whole holistic view of defense that goes into it where it's not like what you guy I won't say playing by themselves for themselves but but they're playing together and and, and more fluently that's why when you see the covers breakdowns like they had against the Jaguars it's become a rarity it's not something that happens once in a while it's something it's it's not something that happens on a regular basis it's like once in a blue moon yeah they did have one in this game by the way it looked like um Darby and Mallette were not on the same page in terms of a stacked receiver set on the right side. I don't know if you caught this one, but Tyreek Hill moved underneath, and I think Mallette was the one who followed him. Oh, let me let me make sure at, at, I have this right. Yeah, it's Q3-217. So Mallette actually went deep. Darby followed um, uh, Hill crossing the underneath. And Wilson went up the right sideline, kind of looked like maybe a corner route 
that that he was going on. It might have been seven or something, mm-hmm. but anyway, it was a it was a looked like a basically a corner route. Anyway, he 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 ran up the the uh, uh, the right sideline, and Mallette seemed to think, no, that's that's my guy. I have the zone here, and you have man coverage, or you have the the assignment to take this receiver. And he looked back at him after the place. So there was some disagreement about how that how that should have gone off, but uh, Stone, you know, was the only guy who ended up close to Wilson on that play and he had to make the tackle. It definitely was not Stone's receiver. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, he made the touchdown saving tackle on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's made a couple of those this year where where he's been the guy deep and it's because somebody blew it underneath. Uh I remember Brandon Stevens had one early in the year where he seemed to be playing a different defense than everybody else was um on a play. But uh but it you know it every year there's a few of those. But I remember back in that Cardinals game in 2019, there were like six in the game, you know, and and you you're just shaking your head at what's going on play after play with uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. right? Yeah, he had yeah. he had like a crazy game in that. Yeah, that that's, game. He's, that's the game. Okay, got another question from Brad McGowan. He's at McBradley on Twitter. If you want to talk football with Brad, he's a he's a great follow. He says, "Hey Ken, uh, looks like Travis Jones has been taking more snaps of late over Pierce. Do you think it's performance related?" or perhaps preservation given Pierce's injury history, or perhaps some some other reason. I actually think it's another reason in this particular case. I'd like to get your take on this uh, too, if I can, Josh. But um, Pierce says he has played a lot of snaps, and I think he had been playing almost the exact same snaps as Matabike when there were passing downs. So they were bringing him in to pair with Matabike because they have a lot of of complementary characteristics they, they work the stunts very well together um pierce is a great under guy and he actually has as enough juice in the tank to actually get over as well if you need him to do that um which could create a good un, a gr- good opportunity for the for the underneath player matabike so anyway th- the point being they decided at some point this season that pierce is the better run defender and that's the place where they really need his snaps more which means you can't have Pierce playing all the downs so Travis Jones they now have have since he's generated a fair amount of pressure in recent games they've been putting on the field and pairing with Matabike on passing downs more so I don't think it's a it's a it's a feeling that Pierce is not doing his job I think he's, he's having a great year but mm-hmm. I think it's that they're hoping Travis Jones can be more and they're getting him in on some uh, some downs with Matabike yeah, yeah, my 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 line of think is kind of lockstep in, in with yours. It's not that, like I said, that Pierce is doing anything wrong. Is, he is the better run defender of the two. I mean, that's kind of where he make, you know yeah. where he cut his teeth coming into the league, and that's still his bread and butter. Now, while he's shown tremendous growth as an interior pass rusher over the years, and especially you know like this year with with the Ravens, not not he's healthy. Um, the strides that Travis has shown as a pass rusher, and you know the second half of the season have been tremendous. And it's not that they're they said they're taking anything away from away from Pierce. It's he's better suited on those early downs whereas Travis can really do his thing on those later downs and really um, kind of wreak havoc I mean there's there are just plays out there he's just ragdolling guys and it's just a beautiful thing to see and um you you really want that that, that young player who you've invested a, a third round pick in to continue yeah. to blossom and get that confidence up you know Pierce is always going to be a stop run defender no matter what you do and like he kind of not knows what he is at this stage of his career Travis Jones you're still learning you're still developing you want to keep getting that guy those snaps those high leverage downs so he has that experience experience and that confidence to make those kind of plays yeah I, I first of all absolutely agree with you on what you're saying so it's important to get a, a defensive lineman like this on the field a fair amount in his second year he, he did actually play 30 percent of the snaps as a rookie so he's, he was 
you know, he's he got plenty of playing time. But the thing for Jones this year that I really wanted to see more of that I have not yet, but pairing him with Matabike is a step in the right direction, is I want to see him more as a three-tech. I think he, he could just be devastating as a three-tech. You're about to lose one of the really good three-techs in the entire National Football League this offseason to, to free agency unless the Ravens can either throw a lot of money at the problem or otherwise figure out how to how to keep him out of beak or, or maybe they end up trying to maximize the value you get by tag and trade. They've got various different ways they can they can handle the out of BK situation, but it's going to be very difficult to keep him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, what you just suggested is how I feel like, like you know, if they can't keep him out of BK, which I I mean, at this point, the guy with the way, like, what, 12, 13, 13 sacks? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, they're going to be hard-pressed to keep him. I think, you know, the smart weight thing would do exactly what you're saying. I, I believe he'd make a great three-tag, too, is to bring back Pierce, have him, you know, keep keep doing things, holding it, holding it down at, at the nose spot, and then have uh, have Travis Jones fill out replacement just matter bk as the teams go to three tech and you can always find another another you know backup no stack of the supplement pierce on on, on some of those other downs and you can rotate in you still got broddy and they're probably going to draft a defensive lineman or two as well yeah that, that's by the way that's a much easier position to fill that having a really athletic three tech i mean those are those are some of the real difficult guys to find and and you, you, especially since at three tech in particular you really want the combination of penetration ability plus the the size to really hold up on the inside and there just there aren't that many chris joneses out there i mean you, yeah. you this it's a it's a very rare size and shape pool and size shape and trait pool we'll call it um to find that guy and obviously you're you're uh you know this is probably a, a bias right now in the nfl towards undersized threes but then you get you're really getting a specialist if you do because of Aaron Donald and yeah. Matabike because of guys exactly. like that that yeah those those are the guys that are making those and the guy and, and Oliver too he, I put him in that basket but uh, man I'm really glad the Ravens came out on top on this one um, because like had it been under different circumstances and they hadn't the game that a guy like Zach Sealer was having on the other side of the ball the fact yeah. that that guy was in the Ravens building and he uh, continues the ball chaps my ass every year. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, just because I'm like, man, who did who did who do we hold on to, to and, and and got rid of him? That it, like, it, it had to be some fifth corner or somebody. It, it wasn't anybody of significance. We had other players on the team. Man, who, um, who, uh, yeah, just yeah, Zach Sealer. The fact that he was Ozzy's swan song pick, and then they just let him go, and he's been blossoming for the Dolphins ever since. Just man, I mean, like, like it's another feather in Ozzy's cap. But the fact that he's not on on the Ravens roster is balling out and. You know, you kind of help. Like you kind of, I would say, you got screwed by a guy like Derek Wolf. But like, had you been able to keep him, and instead of holding on to a guy like Derek Wolf a year longer than they did, you know, you'd be even better shape than you're in now. Yeah, that's I, I. I have to think if that was the point of overlap. Wolf, Wolf had a remarkable season. One of those years, holding together the the, the defensive line for the Ravens, and I'm forgetting if it was 20 or 19. But one of those years, he was like he held the line together. I think it must have been it must have been twenty, right? Yeah, I think it was twenty. Yeah. Okay, and then and then twenty one, he's hurt, and twenty two, he's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Got a couple more questions here, and I want to try and get these because they're very good this week. Uh, at Jtor Ten says, uh, Ken, what was the defense seeing for the adjustments the linebackers made? Uh, for the example, Roquan's deeper drop for the interception. <laughs> Seems they were one step ahead, regardless of injuries. Why don't you take that one? Uh, yeah, like we, we kind of alluded to that earlier in the thing. It's like, it's like the Ravens are kind of playing, no one did a rope a dope, where you're kind of just like 
feeling them out, feeling them out. Like, and then like you're okay, all right, this is what they're doing. You know, like and, you, and he like he even explained in his post game presser, like he was like, once you see, once you see something on tape, not necessarily on tape, but in the game, like okay, if I see that again, I'm going, I'm I'm hitting this faster, I'm dropping here deeper. You know, it's just like a natural kind of feel of that thing. I don't like, I, I definitely think McDonald definitely played a part in it as far as like, hey, what are you guys seeing? Because like you know, like it, McDonald's not in the booth. He's not upstairs in the booth. So he doesn't get that that, that aerial view from looking looking down above. He's on the sideline, so he's relying a lot on what his players are relaying to him to kind of come up with some of those adjustments. And the guy who I want to on, you know, like that guy's gonna that guy's gonna know that that hey, if I get a deeper drop here, it's gonna maybe create some overthrows that, that could lead to some turnovers. And then they say the guys are getting better. They were getting better depth. They were getting to spots faster, and they were they played a, a huge role in, in limiting some of those um, some of those plays in the, in, the, in the passing game in the second half. Yeah, almost really got a payoff from the fact that Roquan had been beat on such passes earlier in this game, but that was a very quick window close. That's something I associate with like a, a Tyus Bowser. Um, you know, sometimes you, if, if you've got a whip route going, there's no way to defend a whip route without having two defenders, having brackets on, on either side, because the, the whip guy is much too fast in terms of making his move the other direction and losing that first defender. But the guy who has a chance to impact it, in addition to people at the line of scrimmage, are people who close the window. And and right there, I, I thought that was a remarkably fast close the window. Probably fits exactly with what you just said about, I'm going to hit it a little faster. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to trust my read, and I'm going to close that window quicker as Tua releases the ball. I don't think of Tua as being a big pump fake guy, by the way. No, I don't think not, of that He gets that ball out quick. Yeah. All right, got a couple good ones still left. Let's let's do let's finish these up because I feel when people have great questions, I really want to make sure they they get taken care of. Angelove eighty five, that's at Nikki six two two a. Been great with questions, by the way. Really appreciate you submitting something every week. Uh, Ken, it's clear Miami took advantage of the absence of Kyle. Can you explain why Miami wasn't able to adjust to our defensive adjustments? As I worry, adjustments may not be so easy in the playoffs. Also, which starter would you rest and who to call up from the practice squad? Okay, I don't think we're going to be able to get to the practice squad thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, we're going to try and cover that in Friday morning GM about who, who sits and who plays, hopefully, this week with Voss. So take a listen on that show. But the first part about adjusting to the adjustments, I, I have a theory on this that I'll start with, and I really want to hear what you have to say about it, Josh. But the, the, the adjustments the Ravens made were easier in the second half in a sense because the Dolphins had already been restricted into what they could do by the 28 to 13 score. So the, 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 the sand was already running out of the hourglass pretty quickly on any running game script. Any, any, the game script was, was precluding the run, meaning. Um, and that was one of the Dolphins' biggest assets in the first half, was, was doing that. So if you can sit back and make tackles and have – you know, the Dolphins playing a small ball to the outside and you're coming downhill on tackles. Well, we already saw at the end of the half that really worked out. And frankly, there wasn't enough time for the Miami to outscore the Ravens by enough playing small ball to, to do that for a lot of the fourth quarter, at least, once, once that dawned. So those adjustments, they, they were, you know, they were aided by the fact that the Dolphins didn't have as many options based on game script. 
Yeah, yeah, and game script was what was, was, I was gonna allude to too. It's like a lot of times you come into a, a game with the, with the plan, and then when that plan kind of gets turned on its head a little bit, or when the other team adjusts, you know, you're kind of just like, well, oh shit, what do we what do we do now? Okay, well, let's go back to where we're working. Well, then again, the, now the clock's working against us, so we don't have time to kind of dink and dunk and hope they miss some tackles, you know, because like I said, the Ravens made their adjustments and they, they were setting the edge a little bit better. Like, yeah, they were allowing some runs here and there, uh, use some screens to pop here and there for the for the, like like once they got guys like Clowney and, and Davis Robinson in the game more. Like I said, the game kind of got away from the Dolphins in that sense to where, like, not only were the Ravens getting stops, but their offense was also keeping the, keeping their foot on the gas. So you weren't able to do what was working for you as well in the first half and taking advantage of some of those Kyle Hamilton deficiencies because, you know, you had to take – you had, you had to push the ball down the field deeper. You know, you had to do things that were going to – you had to have six play drives, not necessarily 10, 12 play drives. Right. Yeah, they really did need to push the ball down the field deeper. Was one of the one of the bigger things there, and uh, I appreciate the question. We'll go to one more here. Among potential, this is from Randy Morgan, who says, among potential AFC opponents, which non QB offensive unit do you think is the most concerning matchup for our defense? Well, this is kind of interesting because before this game, I would, I would for sure say Miami. Miami. Yep. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. If, if 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 you're really talking about what kind of what kind of team is gonna gonna be good against the Ravens, it's speed. I mean that's that's what concerns me. There's nothing about a a you know a, a talented set of route runners that particularly concerns me against this current Ravens unit. I mean they 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 play zone defense as well as anybody. They keep eyes on the quarterback. They'll allow a few receptions, and when you make the mistake, they will take advantage of it. Yeah. But, but who else? Is there anybody else that's close to Miami in terms of the the? I was danger? just gonna say a healthier Miami team because they didn't have Raheem Mostert in this game. I guess they had a chain. They didn't Waddle. have Raheem Mostert. They didn't have Waddle. So like you know th- those are two huge pieces. I feel like you know the Ravens were able to. I were able to take away. Tyree kill a little bit better in the second half, more so than they were in the first. But when you have Waddle in the game as well, it's harder to do that. So um, I, I definitely think a healthier Miami team. Um, honestly, like I, I, I've been, I've been hearing a lot of people talking. You know, like a lot of people are kind of blowing smoke up the Browns' ass right now. But honestly, I feel like that would, that would play beautifully into the Ravens' hands. Um, yes, like, like, I got like Joe Flacco. I mean, such a, such a high variance player. It's, it's, it's a great story. Don't get me wrong. I love Joe Flacco. I got his jersey hanging up in the rafters right now in my room. But this version of Joe Flacco, this version of the Browns. Um, I couldn't imagine a better matchup for this Ravens defense than than than, than this kind of this kind of offense with that with that quarterback and the way they the way that they try to push the ball downfield. I I just want to point out that Joe Flacco improved his passer rating a little bit this last week, but Joe Flacco has a ninety point two passer rating, and I know he set all sorts of records in his first few games back with the first five games of the new team and two hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns and blah 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 blah, but let's face it. Joe Flacco is still very – still is now, at this point in his career, very vulnerable to interceptions. And as much as he's been um, a, a very useful ad for the Browns to manage their games for them and provide an offensive spark, I mean, I just don't see him as the as the big game changer that um, is going to totally turn the AFC playoffs on their head. I, I, I think the Browns could win a game. I think the Browns – Possibly even could could be the AFC Championship game, although they might have to go through Baltimore to do it. Yes, yeah. in the divisional round, I mean that's that's a, a, a real fear for them. And you know, I, I guess Ravens are, are kind of immune to fear at this point after who they've beaten. But uh, 
Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I look at, at George, the best version of Joe Flacco is George Blanda, 1970. George Blanda, 1970, came off the bench to relieve Daryl LaMonica, the, the, the ace quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, five times, led them to four wins and a draw as they miraculously went to the West. He's a kicker. He was their quarterback, and he'd been in the league for a million years, and he was 41 or 42 years old at the time. And uh, they won four games in the last 10 seconds uh, that year. They were the Cinderella I remember that watching that on NFL Films. He was the guy who was like with the smokes and the gray hair, right? Yeah, well, well he definitely had a lot of gray hair by the time he finished the game. He was he was pretty much white. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, uh, he he came to Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. They they won their first playoff game, and uh, and the Blanda story ended right there. And I would love for that to be where the Joe Flacco story ends in 2023, or actually in 2024 now, is, is for him to – Come to Baltimore for that AFC Championship game and lose it to us here. I yeah, with, 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 yeah, with the, with the Dolphins struggling with the with, with dealing with their injuries that they have now. I mean, I was just earlier today. I was looking around the AFC playoff picture, and I was like, "There's really no team that I feel like matches up well or give the Ravens problems on really either side of the ball." I mean, you you look up and down at the other the division leaders. I mean, they already beat the Jags. They already they already beat the uh, the Texans who could. Put, Potentially win the division. Or like you know, the the Chiefs aren't scary at all, at all. No. This this is the Chiefs. This Chiefs team that they struggled to beat the Bengals this past this past Sunday and lost to the Raiders last week. Well, um, Chiefs defense is a little scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like Spax has definitely been in his back this year, but like the the, the precipitous drop off on the other side of the ball for that team um, on uh, on offense, which is kind of crazy to say about a patch of Holmes' offense. But I mean, it's just. You're running out of time to kind of fix those things, and at this point, this is just who they are on that side of the ball, and that's not that doesn't threaten this. I won't threaten this Ravens defense at all, and and that the Buffalo Bills, I feel like they've definitely come off their high that they were on for a little bit there. Their last two games against the Eastern Stickled Chargers and the and the um, who, who did they just beat the, the oh the, the Patriots, the Bailey Zappi led Patriots. Very uninspiring performances by Josh Allen in that in that offense, and like I said, they're not they're not. I'd actually love for Patrick Queen to get a, to get a chance to um, to get some payback on Josh Allen, not for anything they did to him in person, but because of the whole Madden cover thing. And the, yeah, that was yeah that was that was a big deal. I'd love to see Patrick Queen meet meet Josh Allen head up uh, in in the whole one of these days. Let's right, respond to that really briefly. The Texans are the team I think that scares me most. I, they didn't get the best version of of Stroud. He's now got. Uh, Plenty more experience. He's really a different quarterback than he was even in that first game where he's a little bit tentative throwing the football. He's careful, but, yeah, but a little bit yeah, tentative. And, and I think that their receiver set is is pretty good to try to you – know, they don't have Tank Dell anymore. Yeah, but yeah Tank, Tank Dell was huge for them, but he's gone. Yeah. It's, it, Collins is still active, though, right? Collins is yeah, still – Collins is still active. Yeah. I think Noah Brown either got concussed or something happened to him in their, their last game. But, I mean, it almost it almost feels like no matter what receivers he has at his disposal sometimes, he's that kid is just so so yeah. cool and calm under pressure. that You can see the difference between when Case Keenan was in the game last last week against the Titans and when he was back um, under under pressure. And it's just like the, he's, I've, I haven't seen a rookie that cool and calm under pressure in, yeah, in, in quite some time. But I'd be cheating to use the quarterback at that point to say that he's the reason. The Texans, it's you know, it's it's their defense, which would be, you know, a, a big part of their ability to to give the Ravens a really good game, and I I think that would be something. Uh, I I guess I'm mildly fearful of Buffalo. They certainly have, um, 
some things, but most of most of that is Josh Allen. Most of what makes Buffalo roll is Josh Allen. If he's going good, then they can be tough to beat. If if uh, he's not, then it's not like they have a surplus of weapons everywhere, or that they have a particularly great defensive backfield or any of that. Um, you know, they're they're vulnerable to giving up lots of points. And you know, I honestly believe it could be Miami again who gives the Ravens the best game if they can somehow get over this hurdle and beat the um, uh, Bills this week. Because if they can't, then they're going to be playing on the road. I don't, I don't, I don't think Miami will will do much. But if they if they if they can play at home in the first game, get healthy over the next couple of weeks, and play the Ravens then in the AFC Championship, which is where they would meet um, in Baltimore, I I would be a little fearful of a different game where where everybody was suited up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the, the Miami would be the like the healthy Miami team. To me, would be the would be the scariest. Uh, but even then, still got Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy that we're saying this. That the week after they they beat them fifty six to nineteen, Miami still is looking like the most threatening team in the AFC. Yeah, even but a rematch yeah, on the just, same field. Yeah, this is yeah. threatening compared to the re- the, the rest yeah. of the rest of the field. So like we're not we're not saying that Miami has a chance and they could definitely you know give. The, we just we're just saying that they have the best chance to give the Ravens a game that's yeah. what we're saying outstanding questions guys fantastic questions really appreciate the quality of that and and Josh uh, uh, great talking these over with you let's quickly go to defensive MVPs and then we'll call it a night here uh your number three guy uh my number three guy um I'd give it I give it to Ronald Ronald Darby is my number three guy he's you know I said the open field tackling heads up awareness for him um, he's my number three guy uh, outstanding pick. He's my number two guy, so w- we may have end up having the same list, but that's often the case. Jadavian Clowney, my number three guy, uh, provided some pressure. The initials, the initial pressure once again to get somebody else's sack. In this case, Van Noy, where he got pancaked in the pocket, but got the initial pressure on Tua that that forced him to move up. Uh, was one of the guys that played the run pretty well in this game. wasn't perfect, but everybody else has got fifteen warts. Your relative one or two warts doesn't look nearly as bad. Yeah, um, my, yeah, my number two guy is uh, Geno Stone. Excited to see the, the difference making plays that he made, two point <coughs> conversion, and then uh, played an interception exceptionally well. Um, he's my second guy. Okay, great pick. He is on my honorable mention list, but uh, but I didn't have him as as one of the big ones, and maybe that's maybe that's not fair. I already mentioned Ronald Darby's my number two. So who's your number one guy? Arthur Mollett, man, this guy, this guy was the he gets the crown this week for me, man. The, the, just all all the game changing plays and the drive ending plays that he made in this game were just truly impressive. Without Mar- down Marlon Humphrey, entire second half already came in facing without Brandon Stevens, Kyle Hamilton, for him to play that role the way he did at such a high level was was excellent, superb. You know what's really weird about this, and I of course have Mollett at number one too. Is is the Ravens lost everybody in the secondary, and yet the two guys who come as the MVP and they would have gotten it if. If if they were named Humphrey and Stevens and they performed as Mullet and Darby did, they still would have gotten the MVPs from this game. But these two guys, you know, come off the bench basically, both of them. Mullet, it was not a full time, you know, slot corner for the Ravens. They really wanted to give that game, give that job to Hamilton for as many plays as possible. And both these guys come off the bench and they have probably each their best game as a Raven at a time where it could not be more important. It's just fantastic news. Yeah, and you couldn't have picked a bigger game to do it. They have number one seed on the line going against going against like they don't have Jalen Waddle, but still Tyreek Hill and some of the other weapons are still crazy and still still fast in this scheme. And for them to perform the way that they did in this big moment helped the Ravens become AFC North champs. 
um, request number one seed is, was phenomenal. Yeah. All right, my friend. Always great talking football with you. The energy level I just absolutely love and I feed off of and, and always a great discussion uh, with you. Tell folks where they can find your work online and talk football with you directly. Oh yeah, you can always find me on on Twitter at, at Josh Reed nine zero seven. I'm always on, always on there talking 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 Ravens stuff. Um, and then as far as the Ravens content, you can find me uh, find my work at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Voss always mentions, and Voss is one of the editors of Baltimore Beatdown, along with Kyle Barber, who's also a friend of the show. Uh, how tireless you are as a writer! So really appreciate that and all the content you produce. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show here. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you. Uh, if you don't mind writing a review for us, please head out to a website. Give us 50 words of, of your uh, wonderful prose that will hopefully direct somebody else to this website since that's what the algorithm needs. It needs to find reviews for Spotify. I would recommend this uh, to new listeners. But uh, thanks anyway, and thanks for listening again. Josh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.